This podcast has been released in two episodes, so make sure that you listen to both the parts and both the episodes to enjoy the full conversation. Hello, hello, people. Uh, welcome to another podcast from the Podstore Network. Uh, I hope you guys are staying safe, especially now that you know you might be out back out in the public uh, to your workspaces uh, and going out with your friends. And well, one of you listeners really, really need to find the vaccine for this thing, or else I'm hundred percent going to go insane sitting at home. So please, please, please. Uh, and well, uh, now that you're sitting at home, or even if you're out in uh, at your workplaces, make sure that you're listening to us. Uh, anyway, uh, let's get on with today's show. Uh, now you see, I'm I'm fascinated by the world of billionaires. I mean, I mean, who isn't? And and I'm fascinated by their businesses, and I'm especially fascinated by what happens behind the scenes. How do these small businesses become large enterprises, and what are their stories? And I mean, who doesn't love those stories of how you know a small company started in somebody's grandma's garage becomes worth a trillion dollars? Uh, but there's another world out there, which which we are going to be talking about today. Uh, one which we do not seem to know a lot about. Uh, one where companies do grow, uh, but the entrepreneurs are generally not renowned. They're not known. Uh, this is because a lot of their time and effort goes towards making sure that their products and services are accessible and democratized. Uh, one where there's profit with purpose. Uh, we're talking about the world of social entrepreneurship and impact investing and how these these entrepreneurs raise funds and what goes behind the scenes here. Uh, and for this discussion today, I have with me uh, somebody who is an expert in this area and not just an expert. I, I, I'd like to say that she, she's passionate about working in this field. Uh, let me introduce you to my good friend, Sanchi Khurana. Hello, Sanchi. Welcome to the show. Hi, Aman. It's great to be here. And uh, disclaimer, I'm not an expert. As you said, I am a very curious person and uh, and a good observer in this space is how I would like to put it. You know what? Uh, right now, we need more curious people and observers more than experts. So that's that's a great thing, actually. Anyway, how are you doing? What's been happening? I'm good, Aman. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I think uh, last four months working from home, uh, now has become the new norm, have gotten quite adjusted to it. But as you said, look forward to going back to the office because that's where I feel the, the entire learning happens. So hoping for a vaccine pretty soon and, uh, you know, going back to the old world, hopefully. Just for the listeners here, Sachi is currently working as an analyst with Asha Impact, which is a well-known impact investment fund. And she has done a lot of work in the area. Uh, also, just a side note again for our listeners, uh, me and Sanchi bonded over uh, our love for good quality memes on the internet. So <laughs> if if there are any meme references, uh, just go out and check them, check them out. Anyway, let's let's start the show. Uh, I, I, I think we should uh, dive right in and yeah. we should we should talk about this, this uh, fascinating, I think fascinating for a lot of people uh, area of 
what social entrepreneurship really is what uh, so what what happens here how are these 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 firms or how are these companies different from our general companies so what, what what's happening here tell us something about this sure so i think uh, i'll start with the term impact investing and i always tell that you know you should not harp so much about the definition but try and understand it with an open mind and uh, you know by understanding it through different examples and i'll give uh, you know examples as we discuss so impact investing essentially means investing into companies uh, with an intention to not just create financial returns but also social returns in the form of the social impact that you create on ground so it's uh, financial returns plus social impact uh, the important thing to understand is the plus so you are not uh, you know discounting financial returns in any sense and uh, i think uh, you know if you look at and, and in india we are going to be talking about impact investing in the sense of uh, pvc investments only because that's where the entire impact investing narrative is uh, you know when traditional vcs look at investments they look at oh you know what sector has the highest market size uh you know does this company is 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 this company going to be the next unicorn or the next moonshot investment uh but when impact investors look at sectors they are looking at not just the top 30% but the bottom 60% of the population who are the companies that are catering to this uh bharat or you know mass market segment right. and uh, these are essentially sectors like you know agriculture education healthcare now these three four sectors you would see that there is interesting intersection between you know commercial vcs and impact investors that we are seeing right now but there are certain sectors that only impact investors sort of promote or provide investments into and you know examples of that is say waste management sanitation where do you see traditional vcs backing those sectors so that is where the role of impact investors come into play uh, now talking about social entrepreneurship i think social entrepreneurship is uh, you know perceived differently by different people uh, you know as a person who starts a non-profit entity of my own i can also call my call myself a social entrepreneur and a person who starts a for profit uh, company also calls himself or herself a social entrepreneur so essentially the focus is on the market opportunity right, uh, right. you know if we discuss an example of this company called gramophone uh it's it's an agri tech company that provides agri inputs uh, and advisory support to farmers so that uh, you know they get better yield and productivity in their farms and as a result of that they're able to get 2x income enhancement uh now the entrepreneur who started this company saw this as a market opportunity if you are talking about agri inputs that itself in india the the rough size of it is 60000 crores so he understood uh he saw the size he understood the opportunity he understood the customer segment that's farmers really well he understood the pain points of the value chain and built a business around it right and uh you know and it is getting investment both from impact investors and a commercial vc because they see the strength of it in the business model so that was an example in agriculture we know in india education is a sector that you know is is something that everyone wants to pay for right Uh, right. and and wants to pay for a long time so there is this company called testbook which provides you know test prep support to students who want to get jobs in ssc banking railways and they understood that you know in india especially 
getting a government job still is uh, is an aspiring category right they right. still want to get all those sarkari benefits and this company you know build this uh, curriculum around it and is providing the the test prep support and has also raised money from commercial investors who didn't really understand this segment per se but knew that this company's business model is going to give them huge returns right. so that is essentially you know what's happening in the social enterprise landscape is what i would say right so what i gather from this is that uh, these these companies that uh, these companies are making sure that they are they are working in a space that has not really been uh, uh, sort of hit by any any other companies or any other investors but at the same time they're making sure that uh, that they, they create some kind of a social impact in any form uh, and at the same time making sure that uh, they they uh, are able to achieve commercial returns as well and those returns could be even at par with some of the other larger uh, enterprises in the same sector or say same area so that's that's what i gather from what you're saying right. uh, i have another question and that is that when a company basically starts the entrepreneurs have to register that company either as a uh, sole proprietorship or as a private limited company or yeah. or sort of uh, you know a, a limited company or anything like that uh, do we have any specific set of rules or, or has the government formed any policies around this wherein these uh, specific companies that are actually looking to make an impact on the society or on the environment uh, do they have to register as something else or is it is it a similar process for them as well and do they get any benefit uh, if at all yeah so that's a great question aman you know for the all the great work that the social uh, enterprises are doing on the ground and the startups as well right like let's right. not take away from the startups in terms of the jobs that they create and the innovation that they bring to the market right uh, there is no special preference that is given to these companies per se there's no tax breaks uh, no preferential treatment altogether right uh, and the in terms of the legal status i think company either they mostly they register themselves as a private limited if it's a right. profit making entity and if it's a non profit making entity then they register themselves as a trust society or a section 8 right 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 okay uh, so uh, so again uh, like uh, do you think uh, if if at all there were any other sort of uh, like you said preferential treatment given to them by the government or anyone else uh, do you think it could have a larger impact uh, could could it help the society even more could it help uh, these these uh, entrepreneurs uh, make make their products and services more accessible to the public or do you think that the, even if if something like uh, that could have uh, could come up in the future it wouldn't it won't uh, move uh, the needle that much right right so do you think yeah. uh, uh, would it, uh, would the situation be still the same if they were given some kind of uh, preferential treatment i think tax breaks are great but you know i am not sure if it would sit well with the cbdt department uh, <laughs> giving tax breaks to certain companies that don't they wouldn't want to lose out on the tax revenue right i think uh, where i think government does influence uh, policies with regards to each of these sectors right whether it's waste management whether it's agriculture education recently right. the nep came up uh, and that has gotten some great uh, reviews from the industry as a whole right. uh, and uh, you know the government is definitely an important stakeholders with regards to each of these specific sectors 
and right. the the government should understand that role and you know work with you know think tanks and thought leaders in these space which understand both the government's end and the enterprises end to formulate the policies which are more favorable for these social enterprises so it's something that one can hope for but in spite of that these companies are growing and building absolutely absolutely uh, and you know we've we've discussed how these companies are uh, very similar to uh, for profit yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, enterprise but exactly right but so there's also a confusion you know when when we talk about impact investing uh, there's also a confusion between uh, uh, amongst people about how this is different from you know the the not for profit model uh, yeah. because people people do mm-hmm. not do not understand how a company how a company that is actually you know trying to be accessible how is mm-hmm. it pos- uh, profitable at the same time and they confuse it with the uh, your ngos your uh, npos how so tell us about how how they're still working for returns how they're still operating for profits right so i think first thing first i think uh, you know now we have decent number of impact investors in india right. and uh, you know a lot of investors from outside who see india as a viable impact investing opportunity uh, but before any company uh, would not want to put a social enterprise label on it right, right. Uh, right. Uh, they do not want to lose out that chance to raise money from commercial investors so no one right. would outrightly say hey i am a social enterprise please fund me and i am doing all this great work right uh, they them the founders themselves as i said earlier understood this opportunity and wanted to capitalize on that and that's why they started that company right. however they are creating uh, you know real on ground impact uh, through their uh, business model absolutely uh, so on on the non profit versus the for profit i think the confusion happens because as i said you know there's an intersection of these sectors where both these models operate at a simultaneous level right we have a teach for india which is uh, sort of helping improve the learning outcomes of underprivileged students in government schools in india versus right. a byju's that exists right, right. right. so uh, that does create confusion uh, you know in the minds of people uh, but as i said you know one has to understand what is the target segment of each of these offerings on the investor side what i would say is that uh, you know impact investing as a concept is also fuzzy for people to understand right. because the genesis of the term uh, came from philanthropy so you know the idea was that can uh, we redo or reimagine philanthropy whereby you know we allocate some part of the portfolio to for profit investments where some returns can be made some money can come back right right uh, so we have the likes of omidya network and dell foundation right. of, who have raised money from their philanthropic arms to do impact investing now what they do is they also do grants uh, you know support non profits through grants and they also do for profit impact investing uh, whereby they are seeding certain sectors like i said you know waste management is one sector civic tech is one sector uh, urban reform is one sector where where they are seeding these sectors right. and they are also making investments in mainstream sectors like education healthcare agriculture etc right and uh, and hence you know for for an outsider it can create some confusion uh, and we also have or towards the far end 
just a philanthropic foundation or a grant making uh, organization like a gates foundation right or a central square foundation which just does non profit grants right and and the, on the far end of the spectrum we have uh, you know impact investing firms like avishkar asha impact which does market rate return focused investing so you know there are players across the continuum as we say so i think once you go through their portfolio and websites you sort of understand what is the area of focus for these organizations and what uh, models are they going after the non profit or the for profit right. and and you know if you see at non profit uh, for non profit models aman there are problems that a for profit uh, entrepreneur one company would never be able to solve right, right. if you look right. at the the state of education in government schools in india right. uh, you know we are still lacking a lot in our in terms of our learning level gaps right. and and if there is one non profit uh, you know model which is working on training the teachers to become sort of better at pedagogy and then uh, deliver these lessons in a better way in a classroom in a government school in the middle of some state uh, then you you essentially are not making any money because the the customer there at that end is really really underserved and and education in our country and and in many countries is a public good right. so uh, you are basically working in that fashion because you understand that uh the impact that you will create is to enable that child to get quality education and and there are people you know there are organizations like uh you know an msdf or a gates foundation right. or a central square foundation who are ready to support these enterprising leaders who are taking these bets you know on starting their non profit journeys uh in these difficult sectors absolutely absolutely and in fact you know you know this this thing that you talked in fact just just taking the example of education sector itself and you yeah. you you talked about how it's it's a public commodity and and invest uh, i i'd say uh, most of the organizations working in this area are working in the uh, not for profit model yeah uh, and they are struggling and and you realize this especially during this covid period you mm. realize this and i was talking to a friend the other day who is a teacher who teaches in government schools and he uh, he uh, told me this thing that you know the problem is if if even if they get funds from the government or, fr- or from any other organization right. the point is those funds are not sustainable and if they are not sustainable after a point of time wherever they are teaching or whatever kind of help they might be getting it will stop so the, the the entire process the entire cycle then generally just stops again uh, another example here would be and i and i go back to this covid situation again and that is uh, with these with these uh, the funds the care funds or, or any 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 of those sort, uh, sort sort of things when npos were working Uh, in mm-hmm. this area to provide help to people who had lost their jobs or who were who were not able to you know find work uh, they they sort of lost a lot of money and that entire uh, organization or that entire institution became unsustainable and a lot of people then lost jobs so obviously you are you are absolutely right and from from what i am able to understand uh, from what you've just said is that impact investing makes sure that the organization is 
you know working on the concept of going concern they are working on the concept of uh, of of making sure that they make enough money to sustain themselves and not just for the immediate future but for a longer longer period so that they can have that kind of impact on the society on the environment or whatever their target is right well, and i had two things to this aman i think this right. is a very interesting point first on the non profit models and then on the for profit models with impact investing right i think uh, you know with uh, covid everyone has real and and with csr funding drying up right uh, people have realized that even with non profit models you have to have the sustainability angle right. uh, you know and you cannot always uh, just keep fundraising through either these philanthropic organizations or through csr uh, and hence you know focus should be on having the uh, having a markets based approach whereby if even if you are in a non profit model uh, you implementing on ground you are seeding the market to create the value chain so right. that even after 3 to 4 years once you exit once that program or your intervention exits the market uh, you know there is that value chain that exists so that uh, the the whole process goes on seamlessly right and and going on the for profit impact investing uh, model I, i would i would just add that you know uh, i think covid again uh, you know between uh, your uh, vc funded models or impact investors funded model i think everyone's uh, trying to chase the goal of growth right. and and now is only when people have started focusing more on uh, you know just uh, reducing your burn rate the same principles right like i should have a better runway i should do more with less uh, cash is the king uh so that sort of thing is there i, I would right. say that uh, before covid everyone was sort of gungo on growth even uh, impact investor funded startups right right and then and that's that's quite obvious because you know they they want their money back eventually they want them everybody wants their money back and that's that's what they're targeting so yeah that's that's quite sort of obvious i would i would say uh okay uh let's move on uh, i i want to get into uh, the process and by process i mean so everybody uh, knows the process behind starting up and then mm-hmm. sustaining a traditional business model right and yeah. and, that, and that goes like uh, you know you you start up you grow you you have some consumers you grow in terms of consumers you grow in terms of revenue a little bit and then you go and look for funding that funding could come in uh, come in from pes they could come in from vcs they could mm-hmm. come in from 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 uh, syndicates loans in, in in any form they get their money they try and grow further and then then there is obviously some kind of an exit that could be in the form of an ipo and 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 further exits as well and that's how a traditional business model really works yeah uh, is there can we can we say that uh, an impact investing business model or a social entrepreneurship business model works in the same way as well or is there any difference in in that pro- process Yeah so I think as we have you know sort of established now that you know there is not much difference between these companies and and other companies that are funded by traditional VCs I think the process is also more or less similar right like when we are evaluating any of the investment opportunities we try and understand you know does the entrepreneur have any specific unique insights around the around the product or the service that they are catering to provide uh you know what is the existing burn rate uh you know is there focus on unit economics from day one 
uh, if it's a product like you know in terms of ed tech what is the customer stickiness uh, is this company a market leader or and and you know what is the quality of the management team do they have the execution abilities to pull this off i think apart from that we also try and understand that what are the existing risk in a specific sector right like if we are evaluating agriculture agri tech based opportunities we'll see how far is that influenced with government what are the risk with regards to crop season uh, that one has to look at because you know agriculture is a seasonal uh, sort of sector right so those are some of the risks that we also have to carefully study with regards to some of these sectors uh, you know another example i can give a waste management so if a company is looking to set up its dry waste management plant in a specific city what is uh, where is it picking the waste from what is the existing level of segregation in that city so some of the other risk uh, you know external risk that we try and uh, focus on apart from the things that we incorporate in the evaluation process right 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 uh, okay uh, so you know what i i want to go back a little here and i want to learn from you so Uh, uh i don't i don't want to use that word but okay boomers <laughs> but traditionally not not uh they didn't understand what impact investing was they probably didn't even understand the concept of csr in the first place but yeah. they didn't they didn't really understand what the what what impact investing was and we can we can now see the consequences of that be it okay. environmental or be it social we can we can clearly see that yeah. what do you think for, uh, has that has that knowledge Trans transfer of knowledge from boomers to uh, millennials has that changed in any way? Are are people more accepting now? Uh, and I'm not talking just uh, about the people just who are working there, working in these areas. I'm talking yeah. about uh, general consensus. Are they are they more accepting of the fact that okay, this business model uh, should exist and should in fact be promoted more than a traditional business model? So. Uh... I think Aman, there was this annual survey done in US. They haven't done one in India, but definitely, uh, you know, millennials and Gen Zs are much more socially conscious, and they want to see some social impact uh, in their, uh, you know, personal portfolios as well. And ESG investing is becoming huge in the US, uh, and and hopefully, you know, in India. we would also see these financial products uh, you know hybrid products that come out that uh, have some social impact as a result of it and are also giving you know good financial returns to you know hnis and family offices who would want to allocate some part of their portfolio to that but currently the level of awareness is not that much we haven't seen any of the uh, any of the innovations at a large scale in terms of financial products that are that have an underlying social impact as well right. however uh, you know with comparison between india and us you know taking an example of a sustainable fashion brand right uh, you know people have understood that uh, you know fast fashion is really bad and they should look at these sustainable fashion brands which are uh, you know focusing on using the right material which is good for your body is is priced higher so are you willing to pay that price uh, in india that answer is no in us people are ready to pay which is why you'll see sustainable fashion brands also looking at uh, the us market right right anyway uh, uh, so uh, uh, you know what i have another question here that and this is specifically for a country like india uh, this could be mm-hmm. for, for 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 other countries as well but specifically for a country like ours because see uh, 
द पोजिशन वी आर इन राइट नाउ इकोनॉमिकली और इवन सोशली दीज दीज I I wouldn't say it's an easy process to identify yeah. the challenges, but it's it's still a comparatively easier process compared to say some of the other countries where where they are doing really well, and hence maybe some of the requirements might not be there. Uh, so again, is it will it be sustainable once we start once the country starts doing well as well, uh, both in terms of uh, society as well as in terms of the economy of the country uh, when the, when the people start growing when the people are mm-hmm. are given access to everything will these models be sustainable even then uh, and and that's way into the future but but will it will they be sustainable even then yeah i think that's a good question i think it's definitely way into the future i would say is because uh, you know we see that currently these models are supporting what we say the below 60% uh of the population you know providing them products and services across the sectors but uh, a larger population of our countries even below the poverty line right i think right. Uh, for for them to reach the bid income level i i believe there would be still some you know enterprises or non profit models uh, out there to support that population and and hence uh i think uh, it is definitely going to be here for another Twenty twenty-five years is is my sense. Right, and that's that's a long time. That's a long time. Uh, uh, I think uh, we should take a break here. Uh, I think that's that for the first part of this conversation, and we have had a delightful conversation so far. Uh, and we have so much more to talk about. We shall talk about some of the work that Sanchi has done so far in the area on ground, and we'll discuss the career opportunities in the sector and a few tips on how to break in for the people who might be interested. Uh, please join us after the break in the part two of this conversation, which is uh, the next. next episode now uh, we'll be right back on the other side please make sure that you click on the next episode as well